This is the Apex United Methodist Church podcast. All right, friends, we are together for, uh, we're jumping off into a new series. Maybe, oh, you see, right? The Spiritual Art of Subtraction. Somebody asked me to explain that when I said, come, come hear what God has to say today. Well, hopefully we'll get some explanation. Here's the conviction behind the series. Um, how many times when uh, you walk up to someone and, well, let's just, taste, let's just test it. How about if I say to you, Lori, how are you doing today? Good. Good. Oh, she, oh, man. That, I'm glad. Praise God. Uh, I, how about you? How are you doing today, Sheila? Pretty good. Is anybody in here tired today? Maybe not. We got an extra hour of sleep. I didn't even think about that. So often we, though, when we pass one another and we ask how we are, ask how each other, how we are, we're like, I'm so tired. My, my other daughter uh, who lives in Jacksonville, Florida, their, their baby, my gr- new grandson, have I told you about him yet? Oh, well, <laughs> we don't have enough time today. But anyway, I talked to them. He's uh, five weeks old. Talked to Kaylin and Hunter. How are you guys doing? We're so tired. <laughs> we talked to Hunter yesterday and wondered where you could get concealer for men. <laughs> His colleagues keep asking him, what is wrong with you, man? Right, we're tired. Here's the thing. Because we are continually adding stuff to our lives, right? And really, the scriptures have something to say to us about that. The scriptures have something to say to us about what it is to live a faithful, well-balanced life. And so for the next four weeks or so, we're going to, as we, as, as the tension mounts to add more, more on your plate at think, well, I don't know, we started with Wednesday night, right? More candy, right? More candy, then more Thanksgiving food, and then more time together, and then more, 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 more. So... The leadership team of this church decided that it would be a great time to take pause, to stop and take a deep breath. Do you know that deep breaths are the only thing uh, known to our physiology to, to reduce the cortisol in our bodies? Cortisol, the stress hormone, you know, the stress agent. Only thing that has any power to reduce its, I don't know, I think it's six hour uh, life, Right is deep breaths. So we're going to take some deep breaths for the next couple weeks. And um, we're going to do it by learning a little bit about what it is to take things away and look at subtraction as a removing things as a gift, even, even a gift from God to have the freedom to live faithful lives. So we're going to get started um, with uh, this, this um, we're going to get started with this week. So in preparation for our time together, when Angelo shared with me the title of the sermon series, the first thing that I thought of was simple math and balanced equations. Anybody, are y'all with me? Balanced equations. So let's first do a survey, though. Let's do a mathematical survey. First of all, let's show this uh, first slide. Uh, okay, let's hear it for all the people. Who, who thinks we're going to talk about what's more difficult? Who thinks addition is more difficult than subtraction? What's more difficult, addition or subtraction? Subtraction. Subtraction. Okay, right, in mathematics. Put yourself back. Oh, I didn't say this part. In seminary, they taught us uh, preach at a sixth grade level so that everybody can get it, (laughs) right? Because we're all like sixth graders. Well, here we go. Okay, next slide. So subtraction. What's harder, multiplication or division? Okay, next one. What's harder, subtraction or division? 
division. We say division, I, and I would agree with that, like in mathematics. And I find that in life, what seems to be most difficult is for us to subtract things. We add things all the time. We multiply, gosh, just add, add, go from one kid to two. Talk about multiplication, right? Go from a part-time job to a full-time job. Talk about multiplication. Go from regular courses in school to to, uh, AP courses to IB courses. Talk about multiplication, right? Multiplication, division is is hard, and uh, we do seem to be able to divide our time. Gosh, I watch my friends who have multiple kids in multiple age groups and how you divide your time between dance and soccer and music and science, and right? We got the the division okay, but what I notice, it seems that for us, it's really hard to subtract. It's really hard to reduce, to cut back, to... um, to we're always we seem to be stuck in the mode of add 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 more 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 and again I think that's evidenced in our response to how are you doing and how many times we give and get the answer I'm so tired I'm just so tired rarely do we take the time to subtract and here's the thing I know that um when I talk to people about this one of the response common responses I get is um I just can't say no. It's all so good. So many good options. I mean, Clemson football and, um, and, and candy and, and good opportunity for this and an opportunity for that. It's hard to say no. I've got some news for all you people who are afraid to say no. Every time you say yes to something, you are saying no. Every time. Think about it. If I say yes to... To, to Corey for lunch today, I'm saying no to somebody else maybe, right? I'm not going to lunch with all y'all today. I'll, well, we could work, see if we could work that out. We could set it up, right? For, yeah, right? So every yes is a no to something else. So first, let's get that out of the way. Let's, get a, let's move away from the fear of saying no and realize that every time we say yes, we are saying no, okay? So subtraction we've admitted it's hard we are admitting that uh, often we're saying no to things subtracting things without even realizing it by saying yes to things and and I want to say that <coughs> excuse me okay so the scriptures have something to say tell us about these difficulty of these mathematical equations especially the difficulty of subtraction now, before I get into the math of the scripture, I don't want you to uh, be afraid or worry that we're going to repeat the sermon series on generosity and giving, right? The Bible does have something to say about that kind of math as well. You've, we've learned about it for the last month or so. Again, get your pledge cards in. That's important. But this is not that sermon. This is not that message. This is not that invitation to good news. The math I'm talking about today is the math that will ensure that we are living faithfully, that will balance the equation of our lives if only we follow this formula, this equation. Where we find this math in Scripture, you might have never thought about it this way, uh, is in Exodus chapter 20. In the Old Testament... God's people 
were wandering aimlessly. Remember, remember, you know, it didn't, it only took two books of the Bible for us to, actually one book, the book of Genesis, for us to really mess up God's plan for, for our faithful living and for our abundant life. We messed it up. You get on to Exodus and, and the people called Israel, God's chosen people are in exile. They're, they're in the desert. They're made slaves in Egypt. They're coming out of slavery. Listen, Listen carefully. They're trying, they're moving from slavery to freedom. And we jump in on chapter 20 in Exodus. You know it as the Ten Commandments. Now, I don't know if, if you ever thought about this before, but how can ten rules be freedom? I, all my life, I'm kind of a rebel. I kind of want to do life my way. And I always thought that rules were to hold me down. Rules were to control me. Rules were to make me conform. Anybody, I'm going to check and see if y'all are still with me. Anybody want to admit that that's how you feel about rules or have felt about rules? Okay, a few brave people this one. You make me brave. You make me brave. <laughs> Come on, be brave, right? So, but here's the thing. What I'm learning is that rules particularly those that God institutes, are a framework for freedom. That if I live inside that framework, I can live as free as a bird. I can soar like an eagle, raise up on wings of doves. So here's the thing. Let's look, let's look at these. Let's get to the verses. You can help me with these verses too. The Ten Commandments, God's framework for the freedom to have a faithful and full life. Here's how they go. God spoke these words as his people were coming out of slavery. I am the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt. I better read these, that translation. Out of the house of slavery. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself an idol, whether in the form of anything that is in heaven above, that's on the earth beneath, or in the waters under the earth. You shall not bow down to them or worship them, for I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, punishing children for, for the iniquity of their parents to the third and fourth generations of those who reject me, but showing steadfast love to the thousandth generation of those who love me and keep my commandments. You shall not make wrongful use of the name of the Lord your God, for the Lord will not acquit anyone who misuses the Lord's name. Remember the Sabbath day, and keep it holy. Six days you have labor, and six days you will shall labor, and do all your work. But the seventh day is the Sabbath to the Lord your God. You shall not do any work, not you, not your sons or your daughters, your male or your female slave, your livestock, or the alien resident in your town. For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea and all that is in them, but the Lord rested on the seventh day. Therefore, the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and consecrated it. Honor your father and your mother so that your days may be long in the land that the Lord your God is giving you. You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not bear false witness against your neighbor. You shall not covet your neighbor's house. You shall not covet your neighbor's wife or male or female slave or ox or donkey or anything that belongs to your neighbor. This is the word of God for us, the people of God. All right, so here's how it works. 
Here's, an, here's a tool that teachers use to, to uh, sh uh, help kids learn balanced equations. Do you remember the balanced equation? Let's practice. Suppose in the triangle I put the number 10. What number might we put in the first box to the left? Three. Who said three? All right. If we put a three in the first box, what do we put in the second box? A seven. Okay, great. Somebody else. Then, okay, remember we're balancing the equation. Three plus seven, ten. What do we put in the third box? Five. Somebody said five. Okay, then what do we put in the fourth box? Five. Okay, three plus seven is ten. Five plus five is ten. We got a balanced equation, right? So you remember that? Okay, this is how it works in Scripture. I think I have something to show us. Yeah? All right? So the Ten Commandments go like this. If you want a balanced life of faith, you put God on one side and others on the other, and in the middle, we put Sabbath, and we got a balanced life. Do you notice that about the commandments? That's how they're structured. Four commandments that have to do with our relationship with God. The other, um, the, the three, excuse me. And then the fourth is Sabbath holds it, Sabbath holds it all together. And then the others have to do with our relationship with the others around us. You see how that works? You see how important Sabbath is to our faithful living. It is the, what do you call that? The fulcrum. Oh gosh, we might even say living right here where we live, that's the apex. <laughs> oh, that wasn't in my notes. Oh, so good. Thank you, Holy Spirit. We prayed for the Holy Spirit to come. The Holy Spirit came, right? So Sabbath is an important part. It's what holds our life of balance, our, uh, holds us together in a balanced life of faithfulness. I, I mean, I think from this illustration and from reading scripture, we can conclude that Sabbath is pretty pretty important. Remember that as followers of Christ who hang on the United Methodist tree of Christians, of followers of Christ, we, in order to sort of prove theories and points that preachers and others might make, we use the lens of, of scripture, tradition, experience, and reason, right? So we're going to go through that. We're going to take it right down that pipeline, this theory of mine that says that the Ten Commandments, especially the fourth one, is the, key, are the, the Ten Commandments are key to faithful living, and the keeping the Sabbath holy is critical to that balance. Okay? Here's how we go. Let's look at some Scripture. The idea and um, experience of Scripture isn't uh, limited to the book of Exodus, in the very beginning, when God first created all that was created, there was Sabbath. Listen, we're going to look at these few verses from Genesis 2. And on the seventh day, God finished the work that God had done, and God rested on the seventh day from all the work that God had done. So many times we get this mixed up. We often read this, these verses as, a, as an instruction to work, 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 then rest. <laughs> Listen, y'all. If anybody hadn't told you today you're not God, right? That's God's pattern. God worked, worked, created, 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 created for six days and then rested. 
you know what our first act was? You see, you're following me? You all know the story, don't you, right? Yeah, the dark and the light, the waters and the earth, the birds and the fish. Then we came, and our first act, God's first place for us was Sabbath, was rest. On God's seventh day, we were with God, and we were to rest. Throughout the journey, his journey on earth, Jesus talks a ton about Sabbath. He doesn't just talk about it either. Jesus exhibits Sabbath. He, he, he lives in a Sabbath mode, if you will, even walking away from things, oh, that you and I, we would have the hardest time saying no to. Oh, my gosh. The rocking ship, and Jesus says, no, I've got to take a nap. Yeah, he said no. He took Sabbath. He rested in God the Father. Throughout Jesus' journey, Jesus demonstrated for us the importance of Sabbath rest, resting in the Father, trusting God. One of the places we see that is Matthew, um, a reminder of that is Matthew 11. Jesus says to his followers, come Come to me, all you that are weary and are carrying heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am, a gentle and, I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your soul. Lay it on me. So Jesus is teaching us part of Sabbath rest is part of it certainly is saying no to things around us, unplugging, if you will, and a good part of it is laying the things that distract us, the things that burden us at the feet of Jesus. Put the yoke on Jesus. We also see the summon to Sabbath rest continuing in the letter to the, to the, church, to the Hebrews. You know, after the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, then Acts, and then the letter to the churches. In the letter to the Hebrews, we are reminded that a balanced life of faith requires frequently returning to Sabbath. So then, a Sabbath rest still remains for the people of God. For those who enter God's rest also cease from their labors as God did from God's labor. So, right? Proof throughout Scripture, there is the invitation for us to enter Sabbath rest. We can also look at tradition, the tradition of the church, to learn more about what it is to rest fully in God's provisions for us. Teresa of Avila is a saint who's gone before us. She was alive during a time when, uh, can you imagine this? I, I was listening to Tim this morning, and he reminded me of this. Can you imagine being alive in the tension of the time that was Christopher Columbus sailing the ocean blue in 1492? And uh, Martin Luther nailing the theses to the wall of the church, the doors of the church to reform the church, calling the church out. Can you imagine what it was like to be a Christian trying to follow, follow strongly to, to take rest in God during that kind of time? Well, Teresa of Avila is a person who teaches us, who she was alive in that time, and she teaches us through her life journey just how important Sabbath was she's a nun during her a Carmelite nun and during her lifetime she who was um, lost her mother when she was 11 years old 
At a young age, she was stricken with all kinds of illnesses that, that um, debilitated her to a great extent, caused her great angst and trouble. Even in that time, in, when it looked like everything was going against her, Teresa found space to be with God, to trust God, to rest in God. So much so that she's um, credited for uh, starting like, I don't know, 17 church starts in her day. In her day, in her culture, in her upbringing, those were called monasteries. Yeah? Can you imagine? I mean, you guys know, this, this family of faith communities knows what it's like to plant a church. You've helped send people to Morrisville in the last, I don't know, five or six or years or so, right? You know what that's like. We've sent people to um, down Salem Street to the, to the peak. You know what that's like? 17 in her lifetime because of her trust in God, because of her, not just because of her work, also influenced by her rest. And in her rest, Teresa teaches us a couple of things. Um, and to get an insider's look at that, oh, wait, did we show her picture? Oh, did you show that already? I didn't even pay attention. Yeah, thank you, right? There's one picture of her, right? And, and f one of the ways we can um, learn what uh, sustains someone is by the words that they say, right? We can learn a lot from each other if we really listen to our words. Here's one of the things that Teresa is, is quoted most often for saying, all things must come to the soul from its root where it is planted. You see how that connects to Sabbath? It connects to contemplation, connects to, in order to trust God, let me say it this way, in order to trust God, we've got to be connected to God. The way we're connected to God is to be planted in the truths of God, right? You, you can sing these songs that we sang this morning with the passion that you did this morning. I believe that it was so full of passion, the Holy Spirit, because there's a number of people in here this morning that believe those words to be true that we sang, Right? where we get grounded in that truth, those truths of the words of the songs, is spending time with God to know, to stop and recognize the moments when God has made us brave so that the next time we need to be brave, we can remember God has made us brave. To be deeply rooted, to have the roots planted in the soil from which it came, from which we came. Another um, quote from Teresa, prayer is nothing because Prayer is our conversation with God. It's a critical part, piece of Sabbath rest. In prayer, we demonstrate we're resting in God. Here's what she says about prayer. Prayer is nothing but friend, friendly intercourse was the word in her day. I would say discourse. And frequent solitary converse with the one who we know loves us. Think about that for a second. Think about conversations you have every day. And think about the difference in the conversation you have with someone you know who loves you and someone you're know, not sure if they love you. Are they different? I, I'm, for me, they're different. I, I'm not talking with the same level of confidence to the person that I'm not sure loves me. They, they don't get everything of me. But when I'm talking to the one who loves me, oh, suddenly I'm having a, anybody see the movie? The star is born, yeah. When I'm talking to someone who loves me, who touches my nose and likes it anyway, right? Um, 
yeah, when I'm talking to that one, the language is different. The posture is different. The trust is different. Teresa knew that to live a balanced life of faith, she had to spend time alone and in deep and intimate conversation with God to connect the roots of her soul to the one who made it. So part of Sabbath rest for us is definitely prayer, conversation with God, free from the ordinary things that distract us, and contemplation, not just conversation, but also contemplation. When we hush our mouths, hush your mouth, little girl, little person. When we hush our mouths and listen for God so that we might be in full communion with God. The saints have a lot to teach us. Teresa of Avila, you can read more about her life and her journey and her own writings in a book called Interior Castles, um, if you want to. And other saints have something to teach us as well. Throughout the church universal, as I said, today we recognize people who have gone before us, who have taught us something about the ways of God. One of the ways the people who have gone before us teach us the ways of God, you know, those, those who have gone before us that we'll recognize today and ones that we won't necessarily won't recognize today, they um, help us uh, see what it is to live in that Sabbath, that final Sabbath rest in full communion with God. And so we're going to recognize some people today. I want to, um, we'll do it up here. We're going to read the names of those saints who have lived among us, who have been present to us, God's presence to us in real and tangible ways. And uh, I'll just read the names and uh, have some time of silence. Christine Allen. Al Bethune, Fred Cash, Bob Chafin, Art Clem, Lori Cook, Melissa Edwards, Samantha Fincannon, Carol Guyton, Hamilton Martin, Connie Mangrum, Catherine Ogburn, Lori Sariski, Mark Taylor. Are there others that you would lift up today, saints who have gone before us this past year that you would want to name in the presence of your church family today? Give me a gesture so I can hear where your voice is coming from. Connie, Connie, thank you. Yes, Louise, Eleanor, Drew, let us pray. Gracious God, we give you thanks for the testimony of those who have gone before us, that have demonstrated to us and for us what it is to rest in you. 
Thank you for the lives that they've lived, for the ways our lives have intersected with theirs. Thank you for the promise that they are resting well with you, even as we grieve their not being present to us. Come now, enlighten the yoke that is grief. Strengthen us for the days ahead without those that we love in our presence. So that in our living, we might demonstrate our rest and trust in you. You who are Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen.